Hey friends, welcome to Galsplained. The podcast where two best gals explain anything and everything to each other better than any man ever has. This week we're diving into the foods that put you in the mood, aphrodisiacs, what's fact, what's fiction, and what's in between. Yeah, you could Google it, but isn't it more fun to learn it from a friend? I'm Michelle. And I'm Claire Michelle. We're back another week. We're back another <laughs> week. And I just want to say this is episode 13. And I think it's interesting. Ooh. We're doing something like aphrodisiacs for our unlucky number 13. Oh, I, 13 is always my favorite number. Well, I just mean in general, unlucky number mm. 13. Mm. But that's a very mm. Taylor Swift thing for you to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was a big Swifty. <laughs> I actually... Okay, have you listened to Driver's License? Like one time, because I <sighs> wanted to hear it. I um, teach high schoolers, and they got me even more in the mood to listen to this song. It's so good. It's good, but I, I don't see the huge hype about it. Have you, like, put on headphones and, like, just listen to it blocking out the rest of the world maybe i need to give it another shot because i think to give it that kind of like spiritual experience maybe i didn't give it enough time because i just was like okay it's another pop song when i listened to it it definitely has lord vibes and i think that that makes sense because if you look on olivia rodrigo the 17 year old that wrote the song uh on her instagram she's a huge fan of lord so you can see those like kind of influences and i think if a lord album came out at the same time maybe it wouldn't be as popular the driver's license wouldn't be as popular this is my hot take Mm -hmm. but lord you gotta come back we miss you girl it's been too long (laughs) i also wanted to mention one more thing that's not about our topic but i i think i think it's worth mentioning um we were talking about movies before michelle and i both love movies Obviously, acting, theater, all of that. (laughs) Have you heard of the movie Wild Mountain Time, T-H-Y-M-E? I have, and I really wanted to watch it, but it was, you had to pay for it. Have you heard about the spoiler at the end? No, don't tell me. Oh, God, I want to tell you, though. First of all, you shouldn't watch it. Uh, That's my hot take. I shouldn't watch it? You should not watch it. What? Is it bad? It was... Like two hours of a totally fine, almost romance movie. Okay. And I have to tell you the spoiler, Michelle. You can't tell to. me the spoiler. Oh my God, please. You please don't tell me. I'm going to watch it. It goes along. It's, oh God. Don't tell us. It goes along with our last don't, episode. Don't tell us. I will watch it. This will be a pin for another episode. This will be a cliffhanger for our whole audience. Okay. Well, Michelle, when you go to the movies, since we're talking about movies, what do you associate mentally with the movies? Definitely popcorn and bunch of crunch. Right. So I think everyone, America, different different countries, and also just personally, we have different associations with different food. So popcorn is the movies. Um, we associate, like, I don't know about you. This is probably a very American thing, but like... Um, hot dog with like a baseball game or like some kind of sporting event where you hold a hot dog soft pretzel with the streets of new york city like oh (laughs) ew 
Well, I, I or, yeah, like when I was younger, I used to go to like Rangers games, like Rangers baseball games a lot as a kid. And every time I went, I was like, okay, I'm here. So I'm getting an ice cream sandwich. And I think like globally, we have some nationally, we have some, you know, certain regions have their own. And then personally, we also have ones that we associate this food or this drink with this activity. Like I know every time I exercise, I drink a not sponsored liquid IV and that gets me in the mood for uh, for exercise. I know other people do like green smoothies. Uh, there's someone when I used to be going to yoga class in person that always had the same tea. I could smell it. Uh, and I think that like she probably associated that with yoga. So do you have any other foods that put you in certain moods? Um, yes. I think like, for instance, I need tea in the morning, not necessarily because tea or some sort of coffee in the morning, not necessarily because it actually gives me an energy boost, but honestly, because it like, it's just like, okay, and now I'm now it's time. I am awake now. Yeah. I think it's really interesting thinking about associating certain foods with different moods. Like when I'm sad, I eat this. When I'm happy, I want to eat this. When I want to feel productive, I want to eat this. So like I remember in high school when we were dealing with one of our breakups, I don't remember who it was or what it was. We got like so much ice cream. Oh my god. And it gosh. was the only thing that made us, you know, feel better. Well, yeah. No, I, I know. I'm like, okay, going through a breakup, need that ice cream. I'm like, literally, I've had friends go through breakups and I've been like not close to them because it was like a long distance friendship. And I Venmoed them like five bucks, like can't be there for the ice cream, but here you go. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a real thing. And I think thinking about, we're going to talk about aphrodisiacs today, but thinking about food mood as kind of a wider topic is also really interesting and something that I would love for our listeners to pay attention to this next week because it's funny to know, I think everybody has their own, uh, what food makes you feel a certain way or drink makes you feel a certain way or puts you in a certain mood right away. Like every time I went to the mall, I got uh, Chinese food in the food court and that just is what I associated with the mall. Like when I was growing up, it was like, okay, I'm going to the mall with my mom. I get to eat Chinese food. Honestly, I think for that and a lot of things when I was a kid, I just always associated it with McDonald's. Whether it was going to a soccer game, whether it was going to the mall, I just was like, okay, McDonald's. I ate way too much McDonald's as a kid. <laughs> but you're stronger for it now. COVID vaccine who? You have all that sodium in your body. What is the COVID vaccine going to do to you? <laughs> <laughs> yep i'm i'm set <laughs> i love all those memes it's been like if you ate one of these or drank one of these like don't worry about fine. what's in that vaccine yep yeah. that's me with mcdonald's absolutely yeah that's me with the mall chinese food <laughs> yeah what yeah. is yep well we've talked about foods that put you in certain moods but what about food that puts you in the mood i want to preface by saying we are not doctors do not take anything we say michelle's shaking her head rather, <laughs> rather bigly we are not doctors don't rather take anything bigly. that we say uh as you know you should go do this obviously consult your doctor yes don't say i listen to this podcast because the doctor will be like what uh and i also wanted to say this episode will be somewhat pg pg 13 so don't worry about us like 
shouting out expletives and like, you know, making you really uncomfortable if you have this on out loud. Um, yeah. Uh, but I want to know, like, where did the origin of the word come from? Like, what does an aphrodisiac even mean, Claire? Right. It's a really fun word. And I think we probably know this because we, us Gaussplain listeners, have talked about Greece before and the origins of uh, the Greek universe. So... The word aphrodisiac, uh, i.e. like a sexual aphrodisiac, comes from this long Greek word that means pertaining to Aphrodite, who is the goddess of love. Ooh. Yeah, I think I read something somewhere that was like, and this is a spoiler for future aphrodisiac samples, but that the idea was Aphrodite rose from the ocean. So seafood is aphrodisiacs. Like that's like a lore. So... I have never personally gone on a quest to use aphrodisiacs myself, but I definitely find food seductive because I love eating it. Yeah, I, I think that it's really interesting. The difference between people that eat to live or live to eat. Uh, I fall in the latter half of that category. I live to eat. Yep. I will structure my day excited for when I get to eat whatever I'm planning on eating. Last night, by the way, oh my gosh, me and my roommate made chimichurri barramundi, which is fish with a chimichurri chimichurri topping with like carrots and like this couscous, this garlicky couscous. And I felt this episode when I was eating that. It was so good. There's this episode of Seinfeld, which you need to watch, but uh, there's this episode of Seinfeld where they're making the joke that women make the same sounds while they eat really good food that they do in the bedroom. (laughs) And it's like Elaine uh, sitting at the table eating some kind of pasta. And she's like, "Mm, mm, mm," and they're like, will you stop it? It's really funny because it's somewhat true. So maybe food, uh, food is so wonderful. I am with you on that. (laughs) Yes. um, But like, we also see aphrodisiacs a lot in film and TV. So like there's this side of you that's like loving to eat food, but then like aphrodisiacs are also like love potions, right? Like watching Harry Potter, for instance, there was like a ton of little love potions in there. And they're always considered like, you know, so scandalous because they uh, really mess with a person's mind. Mm, Yeah, I feel that. I always associate in the movies like, if they go into a bedroom and there's like rose petals and chocolate covered strawberries, I'm like, ooh, chocolate covered strawberries. That means something's about to go down. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And like chocolate and strawberries are usually considered aphrodisiacs. For instance, um, the Aztec ruler Montezuma was known to drink 50 cups of coffee, cup, not coffee. He was known to drink 50 cups of chocolate before seeing his harem or, you know, oh, his God. wives. 50 which- cups of chocolate? Yeah, and I'm like, okay, great if it's an aphrodisiac, but are you not throwing up? Diabetes! Yeah, like, if you drank 50 cups of chocolate, you would be, like, not at all energetic, so I don't know how that works for him. But apparently (laughs) it was a good aphrodisiac. (laughs) But unfortunately, according to WebMD, there is no food that has been proven to stimulate human sex organs. But there are foods that can suggest sex to the mind, 
which can in turn stimulate desire in one's body. So like you were talking about earlier with food moods and it just certain foods that you have can like say something to someone's brain about love or relationships. Mm. Um, There are five theories for aphrodisiacs though and how they worked. So like basically when we're not talking about scientifically how they work, when people are saying five theories for, oh yeah, this is an aphrodisiac because of this. One is that hot and spicy foods allow for heated passion while cold foods chill passion. You know, eat some flaming Hot Cheetos. Flamin' Hot Cheetos. <laughs> Get you in the mood. Mm, like, I just, I feel so good after a bag of flaming Hot Cheetos. <laughs> oh my God, I don't think anybody's ever said that. <laughs> well, no, I know. It's, you always feel disgusting after eating that. But I guess it's also things like soup, apparently. Okay. Um, so not even spicy, but like, I guess cold foods like a salad are not good for getting you in the mood. Mentally. It's right? the opposite. Mentally. Well, I think it's like, well, not, this is not unscientific. This is theories of people. Okay. Um, in the unscientific community, they would think, oh, that is obviously cold. So this, it doesn't really make much sense, but that's what people thought or think still. Um, also, the next one is if it looks like a sexual organ, it could increase desire. So that's like cucumbers. So that's one thing. The next thing is reproductive organs and its remnants from other animals, such as caviar and eggs. So if you eat basically the reproductive or sexual organs of another animal, it is an aphrodisiac, which is disgusting. Plate of scrambled eggs. <laughs> Just. <laughs> which we'll get to caviar because I do feel like caviar makes sense because of the next one, which is rare and exotic foods were considered yeah. exciting. Well, I think that that's exciting because somebody's paying a lot of money for you to have this thing it seems like (laughs) special and fancy and decadent and it you just feel special right like it's a little different from scrambled eggs um but also i think this one used to be more important like when we didn't have as much of a globalized society like you couldn't just go to the grocery store and get caviar um or like even chocolate like chocolate used to be was originally an aphrodisiac because of this because it was like very rare to get chocolate you know but now i think like this has gone a little more towards what you're saying of like wow someone's spending some money on this they're putting the thought of getting caviar or like i put like champagne as a good example of this you know yeah yeah something that like represents something different something fancy a a party so champagne yeah. Finger finger food. Yes. And then the last one, which I thought was really interesting, and I think this one is absolutely true. Foods that stimulate multiple senses. So like something that stimulates like sight, smell, taste, touch. So it's like an a a very multi-sense multi-sensory experience. Yeah. And I think that one makes sense just because yeah, of course, if you're if you're involving yourself that much in a food, I think that would make sense for it to get you in the mood a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of good food is and I I did find something that said if you looked hard enough, you could find an authority for almost any folk belief that 
about the stimulating properties of a substance. So although the FDA has determined that all non-medical approaches for aphrodisiacs are ineffective, people still uh, still follow all these folk tales to find the perfect catalyst for love. Right. And I feel like we talk about woo-woo things enough on this podcast that like we can, we, we don't have to be super mean towards aphrodisiacs, right? Like, of course, some people like to make certain teas for themselves or soups or, or, uh, and we'll get to it, essential oils. And like, it's, I think it's a ritual thing too, you know? Um, yeah, I, I kind of found like there were four categories of aphrodisiacs. So we had like the food, the drink, and then the third one was the behavioral aphrodisiacs. And then huh. the fourth one was medical, which is completely separate medication uh, prescribed by your doctor, which is the only truly proven and effective uh, method. But I think it's it's fun to talk about these other ones, too. Yeah. And of course, like things indirectly can stimulate you uh by adding to your mood and other things which we're gonna talk about in a moment when we go into aphrodisiacs real or not real but before we play this game claire i think it's time for a bit of recess It's recess, baby. (laughs) Welcome. Welcome all. I actually have something really funny to say about El Dorado, which we talked about last week. Um, I was with my parents most of the weekend, and my dad was singing the song Desperado, but with the words El Dorado. (laughs) He was like trying to convince me that those were the words, and I was like, that's not... It's definitely Desperado. At least you knew better. (laughs) I know. But we took to our Instagram to ask you all a few questions about last week's episode. So if you haven't listened to it, our episodes are always available and up for you. Wherever you're listening to this podcast now, it's available. And we asked all of you, what do you think happened to Eldorado? And a lot of people thought what we think, that Eldorado was probably underwater. Yeah, which uh, I really subscribe to that theory myself. And I thought that it was super interesting if we eventually actually dived into that idea further, if we ever talked about Atlantis, because I love this stuff. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and, you know, the more research I did on that, the more I realized that that was not a theory that a lot of people think or believe. We made it up so, right here in Galsplained. We made that theory. We are OGs to that theory. <laughs> uh, we might have to leave this podcast just to become archaeologists, archaeologists, historians, and review that theory like the good old Nicolas Cage did mm-hmm. and in Indiana National Bones. Treasure. Indiana Bones. And joining the ranks. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Michelle worked at a science center and she says Indiana Bones instead of Indiana Jones because she played Wait, did I say character. Indiana Bones? Oh yeah, you did. Oh God. <laughs> I do that all the time. I mix it up and I accidentally say Indiana 
bones. And I feel what did so your... dumb because I said that what... for so long. <laughs> what did your character, Indiana Bones, do at the Science Center? Well, Greensboro Science Center in Greensboro, North Carolina, if anyone wants to check it out, they probably still have Indiana Bones show going on. Indiana Bones shows going on. But they were a paleontologist and they studied dinosaurs, specifically robot dinosaurs. Oh, do you remember any of your lines? Absolutely not. But I do know that I had a little buddy that could rival Grogu slash Baby Yoda. And his name was Cameron the Camerasar. And he was a little robotic dinosaur that I had to constantly save from a ton of uh, mischief. Of course you did. That's how it goes. Oh, well, Indiana Bones, I'm delighted to have you on our podcast today. Thank you. Well, speaking of solving mysteries, we also took to our Instagram and asked you all, uh, what would you like the plot to National Treasure 3 to be? And we got some interesting answers. Yeah. um, One of you said Area 51, which I think is a great idea. What, is he going to steal some aliens? Are there some huge conspiracies like all the way from our founding fathers about aliens that Nick Cage is going to figure out? I love to see that go down. That's like turning sci-fi. It's like a little twist in the movie series, I think. I am so into that. And another one of you said, Nick Cage, you'd like to see Nick Cage solve the Roanoke colony mystery, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, what would that entail exactly? I feel like there's a lot that could come with that. You know what I think, Claire? I think there has to be a joint movie where Roanoke feeds in to Area 51 somehow. I mean, just like Abraham Lincoln fed into uh, not El Dorado, obviously, but what we thought was El Dorado. (laughs) Well, that's, I think, how all these work. They take like 10 interesting things that have happened in history that have nothing to do with each other. And they're like, how do we connect them all? And I imagine this big like cork board that has like the Lincoln assassination and like El Dorado and like all these things on there. And they're like trying to draw the line between them and make it make sense. Just pretend that there's a little like puzzle in the corner of the paper. And oh, there you go. Mystery. (laughs) No one ever noticed this, but Nick Cage. That's all for our recess today, though. We're going to have to go back and tell you more about some good food moods. All right, folks, welcome back from recess. We're about to play a little pop quiz like we talked about before our recess called Aphrodisiacs. Real or not real? You ready, Claire? Yeah, do I guess? Real or not real? I feel yeah. like I'm in Billy on the Street. <laughs> well, this is this could very well be a segment on that show. <laughs> um, you get to guess, yes. So, oysters, real or not real? Real. It is. It does have some truth to it. Oysters do fall into the looking like a sexual organ category, like we talked about earlier. But uh, there's nothing chemical that actually stimulates humans Uh you know, in that way. However, they do have nutrients in them that help promote reproductive and sexual health. So while it might not directly stimulate you, it still helps your reproductive and sexual health. So it's not technically real, but like, it's not bad for that area of your body. All right. Next up, we got Spanish fly. Real or not real? 
I I want to say not real, but I feel like it's so weird that you're going to bring up like it's so random that you're going to say it's real. So I'm going to vote real. Okay. This is absolutely not real. I Okay, good. Phew. <laughs> I don't even know what a Spanish fly is, but it was like everywhere that I researched saying that like this was a big aphrodisiac that a lot of people talk about. And this is actually a thing in a lot of cultures. But do not, do not use this one. It is actually... um very damaging to your kidneys and it can cause bleeding in the digestive system so um were you saying spanish fly spanish fly so like people eat spanish flies let's let's look spanish fly yeah i guess so what's what's the difference between an american fly and a spanish fly it's well i guess it's it's like a droplet thing like you get droplets of it like a liquid of like its essence, you. Ugh. I don't. It's a emerald green beetle in the blister beetle family. Yeah, but don't use it. Don't eat it. Don't consume it. I don't even know how you could find it. They probably sell it at Whole Foods. Who am I kidding? <gasps> no, I think it's now known to be pretty toxic. Over like overwhelmingly so. Um. Oh my God! Apparently, in ancient China. According to Wikipedia, they the beetles were mixed with human excrement, arsenic, and wolfsbane to make the world's most the world's first recorded stink bomb. Wow, that that would be stinky and toxic. I wonder if they thought like it was as equally stinky as it was um, seductive, because that doesn't really make sense. <laughs> Anyways, that one is a big not real. Next up is cocoa. Real or not oh. real? Real, real, real. Um, no, it doesn't directly stimulate you, but it does increase blood flow in parts of your body outside your torso. So it could help a little bit, but ultimately not real. But it also gives you a little bit of serotonin. That's true, but does not directly stimulate you. Not real. But I always say if, if you feel like you need chocolate, don't deprive yourself because it regulates your mood. A little bit yeah. of serotonin. <laughs> That's true. That That is a big one with all of these is that a lot of them do regulate your mood and that helps regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, next up is alcohol, real or not real. But I do think you actually have some notes on this one. Yeah, I I think that depending on how much you drink, people would say different things about this, especially coming. We're both very close out of college where there's a strong, you know, drinking culture and hookup culture from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a lot of people associate alcohol with an aphrodisiac because it's a depressant on the central nervous system and depressants can increase sexual desire and sexual behavior through like inhib like disinhibitation. How do you even <laughs> say that? Your inhibitions go out the window when you drink, right? Great, so it can yes. increase all of, all of, uh, your behavior, like we've talked about before, the effects of alcohol on your brain in our brain episode, Your Weird Brain, uh, I think that it makes your inhibitions go out the window, but it also affects people psychologically, and so it's it's therefore difficult to determine exactly how people are experiencing its effects as an aphrodisiac. People think if it's taken in moderate quantities, it can elicit kind of the positive increase in sexual desire, uh, whereas the larger quantities, because you you start to feel less the more that you drink, mm-hmm. uh, which is scary. <laughs> yeah, I don't uh, whereas, love that. 
yeah, larger quantities are associated with like difficulties in reaching true peak of your experience uh so i think that (laughs) i don't even know how to say that well it is linked to arousal i saw but it impedes sexual performance so yeah and and chronic alcohol consumption is related to dysfunction like sexual dysfunction so yeah so seems like a bit of a you win some you lose some with that one yeah everything in moderation kind of kind of aphrodisiac yeah i also actually found when looking up alcohol and this has nothing to do with aphrodisiacs but you you know how like everyone's like if you drink like a couple red wine a day like it's good for your heart apparently that's inconclusive that's not like a real thing necessarily I think people hook on to what makes them feel good to uh they already have habits that they don't want to break so they look up <laughs> <laughs> what will support their habits and make them feel better. But yeah. uh, we're, we're living in this world right now where there's so much conflicting diet culture and health culture and eat this and feel good. Oh, don't eat that. Oh, everyone should be having this. Wait, but don't have that. Like, it, it's just, I think, do what makes you feel your best self. Yeah, but I think overall, alcohol gets a big not real from me. Um, yeah does not directly simulate you. But next up, we have a Mediterranean diet. Real or not real? I'm just thinking about Mamma Mia. And you know what? <laughs> Mamma Mia, she did have three potential fathers. She uh, sure did. So I'm going to have to say real. <laughs> I'm going to give this one a big real as well, Claire. I got to agree with you about the Mamma Mia thing. It's It's not a mistake. But also, scientifically... It is linked to lower levels of sexual dysfunction and an improvement of erectile dysfunction, meaning less erectile dysfunction. Mm. There were many studies that have been done with like women and men who ate Mediterranean diets, of course, that this improved uh, their sexual health. Um, It basically the foods usually included in Mediterranean diets help support nerve function and blood flow and hormones. So if you want to feel better about your sexual health, the best foods you can eat are seafood, lean meats, nuts, fruits, vegetables, and whole grains. Huh. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to imagine Mamma Mia in a different country and how different it would be. Like if it was in Italy and they were having like big bowls of heavy pasta every night with like a thick cream sauce. <laughs> you know, Sophie probably would have known who her dad was. I'm just probably. Errol probably Street probably felt really heavy after all those meals and and not gone out night after night. So that's an interesting thing that you say that because Italy is in the Mediterranean area. But you're right. I don't think pasta is a Mediterranean diet necessarily in the way that this is explaining it as one. Yeah, um, for sure. Well, I like the Mamma Mia case analysis. I think that it's really valid. And you know what? If you if you go to your doctor. Make sure to mention that. Make sure to say, you know what? I'm thinking of switching to an all-Mediterranean diet because on this podcast, they were talking about Mamma Mia. (laughs) I want to be just like Sophie. Or I want to be like Sophie's mom, Meryl Streep. What's her name? I don't remember. Oh, Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. (laughs) I want to be just like Meryl. (laughs) Same. For many reasons. Um, Next up, though, is essential oil pheromones. Real or not real? I'm going to have to say real. I love essential oils for a lot of their uh, properties of making you feel in like different moods. I'm listening. I'm listening. 
I'm, I have some going right now that it's my focus potion. So I use it in the morning. Oh, focus potion. I love that. Yeah. I think this one, I think I, I'm going to give this one a reluctant reel because like a lot of essential oils, I don't know. I have an essential oil diffuser literally right behind me right now, but I, I don't totally trust that it ever does anything with, for me. Just like I don't totally trust that caffeine actually gives me energy. Right. But according to science and some studies, a lot of it is a little inconclusive, but there's a few uh, certain scents that seem to be good for sexual desire um, because they do help supposedly help send subconscious romantic signals. Um, If anything, these oils are said to boost mood, which leads to a better sexual experience. So some good scents to use if you're looking are clary sage, um, which is actually apparently really good for painful periods, too. Oh. Clary sage. Uh, lavender, which I feel like lavender is just the best out of all scents always. It always it's has the like... the soothing scent. Like, it's the one that when I went to the spa for the first time, all I could smell was lavender. I love lavender. It gets, it gets rid of my headaches. I will say that. I always put on lavender when I have a headache, which I actually probably should today. Anyways, <laughs> next up, sandalwood. Um, then Ylang Lang, which is spelled Y-L-A-N-G, and then yeah, yeah, again, uh, maybe nutmeg. That was a maybe one. Uh, and ginseng. I how do you pronounce ginseng? Ginseng, ginseng. Yes, ginseng. Uh, and yeah. those are the ones that I f- I feel like made sense from the ones I read about. Yeah, I I feel like it also has so much to do with personal association of smell. Like our, we talk about this in acting, your emotional memory, your emotional recall mm-hmm. of of certain smells. Uh, like maybe you associate one smell with comfort because it was the smell that your mother always like used in her cleaners in the house or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And you associate one smell with like being at the pool, like, you know, and you associate another smell with the beach and it's all... Some of it can be universal, but I think a lot of it can be personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know I have a very different association with this smell of lemon than one of my old roommates had because I, my mom always used to clean with like lemon scented products and to her lemon was like very relaxing, like, um, like a summer day. And to me, it was like very stimulating, like, okay, everything smells clean. Let me get up. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Same. That's totally true. I think smells super important regardless. I mean, we are animals. And I mean, if you watch something like Planet Earth, the animals are always sending scents to each other. So it's not crazy to think that like we're communicating by sense too, even if subtly. So I think it makes sense. But like, it's just hard to in the moment prove it to myself. But I know it's true. But that's all the real or not real. At the end of the day, with all these foods and stuff, uh, I my personal take on it is that they're all placebos, right? Like it's it's all what's personal for you, um, except for like some of the ones that are very scientific. Like I definitely believe the Mediterranean diet one. But there is a quote by a, a man named Manuel Vasquez Montalban who said, no one has ever succeeded at seduction by means of food alone. So you could use all the aphrodisiacs in the world, and it doesn't mean that someone's going to be in the mood. 
yeah, this, this stuff could help with a lot of stuff. But at the end of the day, you got to bring your personality and other stuff to the table. I would hope so. I would hope, I would hope so. I have to disagree with Manuel just for the sake of if someone brought me a cake, piece of cake, that's all I need. So, But that would be somebody that knows you and knows you know, <laughs> that, that about you, right? Because everybody has their own. So it would still be a little bit of personality, a little bit of kind of love knowing you and knowing knowing what you like. Yes, I agree. So to end with our rapid fire questions, like we do every week now, uh, which is just where I Google word and then I go down to the people also ask section yes. <laughs> and kind of see what uh, what people are also asking, which is always very interesting. So I Googled the word aphrodisiacs and it kind of scrolled down a little bit to the people also ask section and there's a lot of questions about viagra which as we know is a prescription that is said to help with problems in the bedroom uh and people also ask what food works like viagra and there's a whole list of supplements mostly so we've got ginseng on there saffron ginkgo tribulus Maca. I did see maca. A lot of supplements and uh, interesting kinds of things like that. Which fruit is called the natural Viagra? Could you guess? Papaya. Peach. It's it's watermelon. What? Apparently because it's richer in this amino acid called citrulline, which relaxes and dilates blood vessels, much like Viagra. I don't know if this is proven. Again, this is Google, but we'll see. Another question was, do bananas help erectile dysfunction? And some people said watermelons, papayas, and bananas all do because they're enriched with potassium and they can help that smooth blood flow in the arteries. My favorite people also ask question was, and I'm going to spell this out for you because This is in the people also ask question and somebody spelled this word wrong. How can I make my capital P-E-N-N-I-S strong, double N? Enough people Googled it wrong that it came up in this section. Oh my gosh. So hydration, eating a balanced diet, stress management. I like how someone answered it correctly for them. Yeah. And avoiding tobacco was on here and came up a lot, which is interesting. Avoid that tobacco. (laughs) And then my favorite question on here, there were a lot of questions. First of all, it's spelled wrong again in this question. But is olive oil massage good for ED? And apparently it is. Olive oil can dramatically increase testosterone levels, which reduces the risk of ED. Wow. So that Mediterranean diet coming I in. guess so. Yeah, there you go. That olive oil. Well, thank you for those rapid fire Google questions. I feel like that was a great wrap up to, you know, hearing of these uh, aphrodisiacs and hearing what other people in the world might think about them. Yeah. And, and I would love to hear from everyone. I would love to hear from everyone 
what food puts you in certain moods? Not necessarily your mood for the bedroom, but I just want to know what food puts you in certain moods or what are your associations with certain foods? You know, I feel like we have continued our Bev Girls uh, podcast with this question and this uh, this episode. I feel like we're just a bunch of hungry, thirsty girls. <laughs> but uh, that's the end of our show. Follow, follow us on at Pod on Instagram and Twitter, where you can see our questions, answer us, act, uh, interact with us. Yeah. And subscribe to our podcast. It's available everywhere you listen to podcasts. Rate us on Apple Podcasts. Hit us with a review and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.